As a pastor, I get all sorts of questions, but one of the questions I get fairly regularly is, do I have to go to church to go to heaven? We're going to look at that today as we talk about what is expected as a Christian as far as our attendance in church and worship. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, August 19th, 2012. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, We're in the middle of a series, not really the middle, the tail end of a series. So all summer we've been talking about uh, what does the Bible teach, and then what do we teach as a church, obviously, when it comes to that. So we're down to our last two weeks. Today we're going to be talking about uh, if uh, I go to church, or do I have to go to church to go to heaven, which is a question I get more than you probably believe. So I get it re- fairly regularly. So if, do I have to go to church to go to heaven? And the second question next week we're going to be talking about, speaking about going to heaven, is it's the end of the world as I know it, and I feel fine I just don't know how you feel about it. So we're going to talk about what does Scripture say when it comes to the end of the world. And speaking of some other things, we are just wrapped up our grow groups. And so they just ended last week. The next session is going to start up in October. So if this is something you're thinking about, the next session starts in October. We'll have at least two or three based on the sermon and then one based on the Bible Basics class, which meets at my house. And speaking of my house, we've got a barbecue today. So everyone is invited to my house and I've got directions inside the bulletin, so if you don't know how to get there, you don't even have to let me know that you're coming. We've got, I think, 288 meatballs, we've got 50 brats, and hot dogs. So I think we're good, and some drinks. So if you just eat meat, you're in K. Um, but if you want something else, you're going to have to bring it yourself. So if you can bring something to share, that would be fantastic. I have no other segues, so that's as far as I can go. So today we're talking about, do I have to go to church to go to heaven? At the heart of it, what's the point of this question? Just think about it. If, if someone asks you that, do I have to go to church to go to heaven? What is the, what's the point of that question? It's kind of lazy, isn't it? You're trying to do as little effort as possible. You could say that, though, in a positive way, I think, which is if God looks at me and I have to do certain things in order to go to heaven, what's the least amount of effort I have to do? And, and that's actually a commendable thing. How many of you have gotten better at typing over your lifetime? Remember the first paper you typed, like research, it took you like three days? And now you eventually get better at it and better at it. And so that's efficiency. The best athletes aren't necessarily the the most athletic in a sense that they have unbelievable lung power or something like that. They're just more efficient at what they do. Does anyone watch cycling? Okay, we got a couple. Uh, The U.S. Pro Cycling Challenge starts tomorrow in Durango, and it goes all the way through Colorado. They say it takes like a decade for someone to learn to be efficient on their bike. That stroke, it's a unique stroke. So you might say, hey, I'm pretty good at it. If you push down, like mash, that's what they call it, mash the pedals, that's not efficient. You're just using your quads. Greg Lamont explains that you have to, uh, I don't want to distract you there. It's like, I'll use this hand. It's like pulling your foot through mud so that you incorporate your whole leg. So you're like, that's way more than I need to know about cycling. It takes a decade to get that good at it. So you wonder, how can these guys go 150 miles at 30 miles an hour? It's because they've done this over and over and over and over again. They want to do as little work as possible, and that's why they wear their outfits, right? Those better have some kind of mechanical advantage. Otherwise, you just won't wear that. Otherwise, I would just be wearing like a cycling kit, and it has no mechanical advantage, right? So does this make sense? You want to do as little effort as possible if you're trying to attain some sort of workload. You, you go the shortest distance, you take the, the straightest line, you take all these things. Make sense? So if heaven was based on God looking at us and we're trying to attain a goal, we would want to do the least amount possible that God would still let us in the door. 
That makes sense. But is that how heaven functions? No. That's not how it functions. We spent the last couple of weeks talking about this. We do not have like a boss and employee or employee relationship with God. When God looks at us, he says, I've sent my son to pay for your sins. It's not what you do that's going to impress me because it doesn't work. It'd be like trying to romance your wife, trying to go to church to impress God with like uh, trying to romance your wife by sitting in front of the couch with a remote. You can do that all day long, right? You could do this every day, but are you going to get the results that you want? No, you're not. Some guys are like, what? No, that doesn't work. I even got her a chair that's just like mine. It's great. Um, no, that does not work no matter how often you do that. It's the same kind of thing. If you're trying to impress God by just going to church, it's not going to work because God is only impressed with perfection. We explained that. We said our good works are like Russell Stover's chocolate, right? The only chocolate that is worse than no chocolate. So that's what our good works are. We try and impress God by doing certain things or giving him something. It's not going to work. God's only impressed with perfection, and so he sent his own perfection to live and die and take away our sins. However, so now we got that covered. We can't impress God just by going to church. However, what has Christ done? If, it's, if you look at this and think, well, Christ has just kind of set us on the right path, and now we just have to, um, he's kind of cleaned us up, now we have to fix things up. It doesn't quite work like that either. Think how unusual this question would be. You go to your college professor, and you're like, well, can I still get the degree without going to class? Does that sound ridiculous? It kind of does, doesn't it? Or can I get a black belt? Just imagine you go down the street and you show up for your first day of class, and you're like, yeah, I'm kind of on a tight budget. Um, I don't really want to come to class, but can I get the black belt? Or can I get a gold medal without putting in any effort? Uh, you actually can. Uh, this is on eBay. It's $12,500. It's a bronze medal from Barcelona. So if you want a medal, you can get it with that little effort. But that's not our point. It's, it, it's an absurd question to think, somehow um, I'm going to get the prize at the end without effort. But what gets us the prize in the end? We've said this again. Is it your effort or is it what Christ has done? I'm going to change this question just a little bit. What if Jesus does, does make us clean, like your carpets? So Jesus cleaned us up. He, his death on the cross did pay for our sins, and we're all cleaned up. But do your carpets stay clean forever? Or do you have to get them cleaned again? Huh. Some things you do only have to do one time. We'll come back to that. Some things you only have to do one time. So think of things that you only have to do one time. It's there forever, like a tattoo. Is that what it is? Christ is like a tattoo, and he's there forever. Or is Christ more like what he has done, like cleaning our carpets? He's given us a clean slate, but what happens if I soil the carpets? Then I've got to clean them up again. There's churches that teach that. This idea that I've got to do it over and over again. Like you're, um, like you're losing Freon or um, whatever it's called, R134A. There we go. If you're being technical. So do we have to have our system recharged? Does that make sense? Or is what Christ done enough? There's enough things that we do that you kind of get to a level and you have to maintain that level. And some people have that idea with church. Okay, I'm a Christian. I've dipped down and somehow I've got to get back on that level. Think of beauty products. I don't know what, how many billions of dollars are in beauty products, but I'm guessing it's billions of dollars. And why is that? Just like carpets, okay, you dye your hair. How long does that last? I didn't know. Did you know Botox wears out? I didn't know this. I was at my dentist. Apparently, this is a crossover. I was at my dentist, and he had a sheet that said Botox has to be renewed, I think, in like four to six months. 
You don't have to correct me. I'm glad a lot of people are like, really? That's good for some. You see their Botox work and you're like, wow, good thing that wears out, right? So there's dyeing, there's Botox, there's um, doing your hair, all these things. They don't spray on tans. How long do those last? I don't know, thankfully. I have no idea, right? But they wear out, apparently. Does this make sense? So is that what Christ does? He's done a little bit, but then we wear it out and we got to kind of renew it. That's why we go to church. It doesn't work that way either. The way to illustrate it is when Jesus is on the cross, there's things that you do um, in your life one time. We said a tattoo, right? That's a one-time thing. Do you have to get it redone? After you have a Justin Bieber tattoo, you may wish you could, but I mean, it's there. It's forever, right? It's there forever. Or going to a craft store. How often do you have to go to a craft store? Once per lifetime, right? That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Actually, I got a friend. He... he uh, when I was an intern, he worked at Super Value Foods. Have you heard of Super Value Foods? Um, big monster chain. He had so much stress. He said, you know, Jared, I come home. I'm so stressed out. I go to, like, the craft store, and I just get a simple craft, and I do it, and it makes me relax. This has told me two things, no, right? Number one, I will never work for Super Value Foods. And number two, you shouldn't either. That's kind of my rule of life. But how many, you don't have to go to the craft store a lot. You don't have to go to the pro rodeo a lot. You don't have to do these things a lot, right? One time is enough. When we explain what Christ has done, one time is enough. He's on the cross, and can you think of some of the words Jesus said? He, he says, John, look after my, um, he's, this is now your mother. But one of the things he says is to telestai, or it is finished. And that's the equivalent of what they would write on bills. So if you owed a shopkeeper something in ancient Greek and Greece, they would write to telestai on it. And we have a similar thing. Maybe you've seen, like, the paid in full stamp. Oh, that's over another picture. I'm like, what is going on? Uh, paid in full. That's essentially what Christ has said on the cross. So when we say Jesus took our sins away, we're not saying just for that time being, and then if we commit more sins, we've got to clean them up. When Jesus said it is paid in full, he means sins from all time for all time. So when God looks at you and says, why should I let you into heaven? It's strictly because of what Jesus has done. He has paid it in full. It's done. I show it in pictures. Uh, this is some of my great graphic work. I hired someone to do this. That's a dot. And in this dot is saying these are one-time events. In the Christian church, there are things that are one-time deals, right? Jesus' death on the cross. Does he die every week? No. Uh, what about baptism? So we just baptized Trevor. Is he going to be baptized every week? No. No, he's not. So this is a one-time thing because it's God's promise to us. Are there, though, things in the Christian church that are kind of ongoing? Well, sure. I mean, we obviously meet every week, but God says, confess your sins. God says, pray to me continually. God says that you should build each other up. We should meet together. These are things that are ongoing. Does this make sense? So to make this make a little more sense, because this is confusing, I've drawn another illustration. Some things in your life and in the church have an initial event that's a one-time thing that have ongoing care in a positive way. So I'll give you some examples in your own life. Um, Neil, this is from, uh, and Rochelle, this is from the exact paragraph that I read to you and your sponsors. Our Lord commands that we teach his precious truths to all who are baptized. Christian love therefore urges all of us, especially parents and sponsors, to assist in whatever manner possible so that Trevor may remain a child of God until death. If you're willing to carry out this responsibility, then answer yes as God gives me strength. What's the implication there? It's a one-time baptism, but as a parent, we have an obligation. As sponsors, we have an obligation to continue 
this child in the ways of the Lord. This also happens when you have kids, right? How many times do you give birth? Once, thankfully, right? Once is good. That's enough. This isn't a repeat process. But uh, there's a phrase, and I can't remember exactly how it goes. It's easy to become, what, how's that go? A father, it's hard to be a dad or something like that. What's the implication? You can conceive a child pretty easily. But what is necessary to raise that child up? Time, effort, money, uh, all these other things to raise this child up in a God-pleasing way. Is, is there other things like that? What about your marriage? That's a one-time thing. You are in the status of being married. You can't be partly married. You're in the status of being married. And think of your vows. Did you make up your own vows? If you didn't, you're like me. You took them from the hymnal, like when you stood up front. And the, the pastor would say something like this. Um, I'm going to just have to use my own name because it's going to be weird otherwise. I, Jared, in the presence of God and these witnesses, take you, Amy, to be my wife. And then I'm just like, done. We're, we're good here? What's the next line? Do you know how it goes? And I promise to be faithful to you as long as we both shall live. So why is this different? Why is this different than something else? When we talk about becoming a Christian, is that something that you become a Christian and then you're done and you're good to go, like a dot, like a tattoo? You're like a Christian, got the Christian tattoo, and now I just go along my way? Or is being a Christian a one-time event that the Holy Spirit has worked, and now it's similar to baptism, similar to being married, that there's ongoing care that goes along with this relationship? The answer is there's ongoing care that goes along with this relationship. Now, from outside perspective, does it make sense that we go to church? Can you imagine how crazy this looks? I mean, just really, can you imagine how crazy it looks? People stand up, they sit down, you read, you pray, you hang out, you drink a lot of coffee. Um, the, the donuts make sense, I mean, from the outside. That makes sense, to eat the donuts. But for the most part, you're like, you let some guy stand up and just talk for 20 minutes, and some people even take notes. It's like, really? Does this make any sense? From an outside perspective, I don't think it does. And it can't. It can't make sense unless you're part of it. Have you ever met someone who's into like four-wheel drives and stuff like that? Does that make sense to you? Does it make sense to go in uh, to the pro rodeo, for example? To me, one time's enough. But some people go like for the full two weeks. They love it. I'm like, okay. It doesn't make sense to me. But it might make sense to you. Does it make sense to go to the craft store more than often? We talked about that. Would I ever go to a clown convention? No, I'd never do these things, but other people like to do it, right? So from an outside perspective, it seems crazy to do what we do. Yet still God says, I want you to get together, and this is why I want you to do it. This is from the book of Hebrews, and it's the passage that we read. I'm going to just highlight a couple things. Number one, spur one another on. Why do we get together as Christians? Uh, spur is kind of a strong word, isn't it? What do you do with spurs? It doesn't say like pet one another on or say positive things or give everyone a trophy. It says we get together. Sometimes you need a kick in the pants to say Let, you are not living the way God intended. You got to let's get this going, okay? Other things that we do to get together, let's not give up meeting together, but also let us encourage one another. So why is it that we get together? We sing God's praises we pray, we encourage one another, we spur one another on, and we're built up in Christ. Can I explain to someone on the outside why this makes sense? No, because it doesn't. But if you're inside, it does make some sense. 
God also gives us a couple warnings, though, and, and we'll finish it up with this. We've got a lot of stuff going on today. And God gives us a couple warnings in Scripture as he explains the sort of kind of thing. When you get married, you become married. You're not sort of married. Uh, when you're baptized, you're not sort of baptized. Uh, when you become a Christian, is it an ongoing process of becoming like now you're fully realized a Christian, like um, the movie Teen Wolf? Remember, he slowly turns into a Teen Wolf. Does anyone watch Teen Wolf? Good, good. But if you did, there'd be a part where Michael J. Fox like starts to turn into a Teen Wolf, like almost this serum, and it's like slowly happening. It's slowly happening. Is that what happens as a Christian? No, you are a believer or you're not a believer. Here's the good news. You don't sort of become a believer and you don't have a God who sort of loves you. It doesn't say for God so loved the world sort of, that he gave his one and only son on a payment plan. It doesn't say anything like that, right? He says, I love you completely. I've given my son completely so that you can have heaven completely. Do you need to go to church to go to heaven? No. The only thing that wins that is Christ in his word. So now that you're saying, okay, maybe it makes some sense that I go to worship. Okay, this, this kind of makes some sense. Are all churches the same? Not exactly. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time. Um, can you go to different churches, though? Sure. Um, it's like the invisible church. This is what they call it. We say uh, in the Nicene Creed, I believe in the uh, apostolic church, one church, right? So there's believers. Wherever God's word is proclaimed, there's going to be believers. This is good news, right? Wherever God's um, baptism is and wherever the Lord's Supper and wherever God's word is proclaimed and its truth, there will be believers for sure. So some of you are part of this church. Some of you are not. But if you believe that Jesus is ta- you have sins, Jesus has taken those sins away, and by God's grace, you're going to heaven, you're going to be in heaven. This is fantastic news. However, are all restaurants the same? Now, just think hypothetically. You go to a restaurant, what's the differences in restaurants? There's different, like, ambiance, there's different music, there's different tables, there's different weights, there's different temperatures, but essentially, why do you go to a restaurant? This shouldn't be that difficult. The food. So there's good food and bad food, I think. And could you hypothetically live on McDonald's for the rest of your life? You could. Your life's going to be shorter, but you could do this, right? So if you are starving, you have absolutely no sustenance, you're about to die, and there it is, and you're like, okay, I will live on McDonald's every day of my life. You can, in theory, do this, and you can live. The same thing, but are there better choices if you had to eat at a restaurant every single day of your life? Collectively, we'd say, yes, there's some better choices. I think the same thing is very similar to a church. Wherever God's faith-creating means, his word is proclaimed, there will be believers. But is it the healthiest situation to be in a place that teaches or uh, shares things that aren't true or unhealthy for your faith? The answer is no. And as a Christian, God gives us this warning. He says, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, or you can see the giant whale in the background. I tried to get a video. Do you know this part in the book, uh, Nemo? I had to do some research for this. So in Nemo, Dory at this point, Ellen DeGeneres, is trying to call a whale so that they can get directions because they're trying to find his son. And the whale's way off, and you can just see the lips right there. You can hear the... 
So the whale, they think it's a small fish. It swims away. And then suddenly in the background, while they're discussing this, oh, hold on. While they're discussing this, the whale is coming in the background. And he goes, well, if you call the whale, the whale's going to eat us. And she says, no, the whales only eat krill. And then suddenly the krill come by and they go, swim away, swim away, swim away. And they're like, hey, krill. And then right then they're swallowed. What does this have to do with Romans exactly? They identified the danger and they said, uh, you got to watch out because these whales will eat us because they eat krill. The krill are saying what? Keep away. When you look for a church, not all churches are the same. Some are going to be giving God's pure word and some are not. Can you live at a place that's not? Sure. This last year, we're one year almost into services. Uh, This last year, I'll leave it on the Nemo picture. This last year, we've had a number of adult confirmations. We've had adult baptisms. Today, we're going to have an adult confirmation. When you come to this church, you don't pick a perfect church. It's not perfect. But I think you pick a healthy one. You pick one where people care about God. They care about you. They're here to encourage you in your faith. They're here to spur you on once in a while. They're here to say, if you have to say something to me, go ahead and say it. And they're here to give God praise, to honor him and worship. Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? No. But believers go to church until they go to heaven.